0: Hello, welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. Wesley, is this Freddy Fazbear's? <laughs> horror,
1: horror, horror. 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 <laughs> no.
0: Okay, so I just have to preface by Wesley and I have been broken records with this audio that we heard on the internet where it's just somebody being like, Is this Freddie Fazbears? and then, you know, singing the little song. I think any time we've talked about this movie, I've I've done the little Or 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 So it's not yeah. ta- it's time. I feel like it was the only way to start this podcast, despite the fact that it makes me look like a five year old. How are you doing, <laughs> Wesley? How has your week been?
1: <laughs> my uh my week's been good. I just started a new job, which I'm super excited about. Um and just kind of been hanging out watching movies Mm -hmm. we saw the marvels this weekend um which we'll do a whole episode on as well um finished loki which we'll also do an an episode on as well um but yeah just kind of hang out living life we collectively the collective we um have been planning a trip here and it's finally set in motion we're doing it. it
0: made it out of the group chat
1: yeah exactly We we had just talked about it, and we finally set it in motion, so super excited for that. But yeah, what have you been up to? Not a whole
0: lot. Since the last time we recorded, it's just been a lot of working. Honestly, not the usual watching a lot of movies. I I remember looking at my letterbox six or seven days into November, and I hadn't logged a single thing. And I was like, wow, what a shame. I'm I'm a liar. (laughs) Um, But no, it's it's just been a lot of work, Uh, you know trying to get some extra money for the trip that we're going on hitting Mm -hmm. up new york city christmas the big apple the big apple at christmas time it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting i'm looking forward to that but just a lot of work and been trying to play catch up on some movies that we've fallen behind on
1: yeah i feel like we're in a period right now because i originally was like oh we're gonna hit a period where the actor strike is gonna make it so there's no movies coming out but now that in great news the actor strike is over and the writer um, strike
0: both done yeah
1: both done um we are almost getting like a flow of movies that were just kind of waiting in the wings i think mm-hmm. um a lot of movies that they were just like we're holding on to this until we can promote it again um and then we'll put them all out and i think the biggest thing that i saw from the strike which i'm i'm really happy that it's over i'm really happy they came to an agreement um was like actors doing pictures on sets that were like from so long ago, like Barbie, uh, or you've got Kiwi Kwan doing, uh, pictures of like, uh, him on the Loki set, uh, and Loki's like completely done, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's great to see that too. It's great to see that some artists are getting the chance to, um, finally promote their stuff and talk about how excited they were to be in the process of films or stuff like that. So very exciting to see.
0: Yep. Art wins, you know, there's I think both on the writing front and on the acting front, there was uh, specifications about the use of AI in film, which has pretty much, you know, relegated it to I don't know the specifics, but it's not going to be a thing, you know, like maybe background like actors. But I, I don't think that that's a thing. So real art wins. Actors win. Writers win. I'm I'm glad that they fought for it and that they managed to get to the point where they got a, di- a deal that they felt was. Was worth their time. Um, really, I'm just glad it's over. I'm glad it's over because we'll have more to talk about. But I'm glad it's over because now all these people aren't out of jobs. All these yeah. people aren't you know suffering and, and waiting and just fighting the good fight. Um, it, it was a, a long run, but but we did it.
1: Yeah, it's it's very exciting to see the actors back at work and the writers as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I love saying we did it as if I'm an actor or a writer, but I <laughs> but I am someone who believes in the cause. We often feel like we're part of the community. Yeah, I think I think we, we have a pass, at least a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but yeah, okay, today we're going to be talking about Five Nights at Freddy's, a movie that quite honestly, I debated if we should talk about. Um, it came out and I was like, I don't think we need to do a Five Nights at Freddy's episode. And then the movie made $250 million in its first week. And I was mm. like, fuck, we have to do a Five Nights at Freddy's episode we've also you know kept on top of doing all these video game adaptations throughout the year like we've, we've been on top of that I think you know as long as we've been doing the podcast if there's like a video game movie we've always tried to cover it and so I feel like Five Nights at Freddy's just has to be lumped into that category we kind of have to have to discuss it not only because it's big for Hollywood it's big for horror movies it, it's just a big a big win uh, yeah
1: because I if I'm not mistaken I read that uh, it was the highest grossing horror film of the whole year
0: it was indeed
1: but yeah, you, absol- it is the
0: the highest grossing horror movie of the year. Um, and despite the quality of the movie itself and my thoughts on it, it is a movie that, you know, there's a whole massive fan base for it. Oh, there's a huge fan base. Yeah, and I feel like we'll get into all that. But do you have any
1: relationship to Five Nights at Freddy's? Um, it's funny you... Like, it's funny that we're talking about this, I find, because like, I never thought in my entire life that when I was a kid and first played the original Five Nights at Freddy's on my computer, um, that this would become a movie at some point. Uh, my kind of relationship to Five Nights at Freddy's is I've only ever played the first game I played it when I was younger because my younger sister wanted to play it, but she didn't actually want to play it. So she made me play it while she watched. Yes, Um, I had that
0: relationship with the the Slenderman games with my brothers. They were like, I want to see it,
1: but you should play it. Um, So I I played it for my sisters to get freaked out at. Um, But I also will not lie. I've totally watched, like, if you know Five Nights at Freddy's, you know that Matt Pat from Game Theory has, like, seven or eight billion videos uh, on the Five Nights at Freddy's lore. Um, And I'm not going to lie, I'm no... Uh, like aficionado when it comes to this stuff. But... You need to tell me right now about the bite of '87. Oh, well, let me get in. No, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know the specifics. Um, but I know like the general stuff. So I know like a bit of background lore. But I also played like the original game, which is what this uh movie is based off of. So, um, I I have like some light connections with Mr. Fazbear in his pizzeria. Yeah, And his pizzeria.
0: I feel like I have a similar relationship to it where it's like we were the perfect age demographic for fans of this franchise when it came out. I think Mm -hmm. this franchise really targeted like 12 to 16 at the most. And we were 14 when it came out. So we were right in the middle there, but I never particularly gravitated to it. I was never like a diehard fan. Um, I did play the first, second and third game. I think if the third one is the one where you're a kid in his room at nighttime, um, then then I played the third maybe I played the fourth I don't know I kind of forget which ones are which but I know I played it's 1 me. and 2 for sure and my brothers know a lot about the lore and so like I'll I'll ask them questions about it and usually we'll go about it in a joking manner but they do they are like aware of like the franchise and its lore and what it like means to people weirdly enough but it, it it's just such an interesting thing where Five Nights at Freddy's is this for people who are listening and they're like, what the fuck is Five Nights at Freddy's? And you've probably heard about it, but I'm just going to preface it regardless. It is a, a game. It is a survival horror game where you are set in one room and you have to watch the monitors to see if these animatronics move. Because they are trying to kill you. And you have to you know, stop them from getting into the room using these doors. And you only have a certain amount of battery throughout the night before you get left in the dark and then they kill you. So it's really just a survival horror game where it's like, look at one thing, look at the other thing look to your left, oh the spooky guy. Yeah. Shut the door, you know, yada yada yada. But it it just became this massive thing. And I find it so interesting that I think so much of what Five Nights at Freddy's became was actually because of Matt Pat and his like game theory videos on it.
1: Totally. Totally. He definitely like took that franchise and made it so much more public and mainstream and popular for so many people who didn't know about it. Um I'm sure I probably found out about it because of his videos. I think so. many people did, yeah.
0: And I feel like Scott Cawthorn, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's and the writer, I'm sure he had a vision, and I'm sure there's this own lore that he has for these characters and everything that he probably tied in. But it's kind of inarguable that Matt Pat's lore that he kind of theorized became like a lot of the, the building stones for what people came to love about the franchise.
1: I honestly would not be surprised if some of the genuine lore came from the theories from those videos yeah like because the first one came out and mad pat made like multiple videos about the first one and then the other game started to come out um so it totally it very much feels like a moment where the creator went i'm just gonna make this fun game and then it blew up and he was like oh i could really do something with this now yeah. Um and he has taken it through like six games or something. I, I don't even know how many there are at this point. But
0: the the most recent one security breach was I think like the real step forward in the franchise where it kind of got out of the box of like sitting in a room and like looking at scary stuff because that one was a more like a they attempt the story follows them attempting to reopen Freddy Fazbear's as a, as a shopping center like a mall. Yeah. And then you end up, you know, stuck in this mall as a kid. And there's this, like, Freddy Fazbear animatronic that you make friends with. And he's, like, trying to help you survive all the other ones that are, like, chasing you throughout this mall. But that one's a little bit more, like, open world. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, like, they're trying to, you know, push the franchise into new, new territories, which is interesting.
1: Who knows? We'll see. Maybe this movie will skyrocket a series of Freddy Fazbear movies. Yeah,
0: it I absolutely will with the box office. I, I just find... Like, I could try and tell you about the lore, but it would be absolutely useless, and, like, people who, like, like this stuff and care about it would just be like, what is wrong with this man? Because I would just be like, you know, you, there's the Bite87, of and then there's William Afton, the, the purple guy, and I think he's the guy who, who killed all the kids, and then the kids, like, took over the, the whatever, you know? It's- Actually,
1: um, if I'm not mistaken, the purple guy and William Afton are different people.
0: Oh really? Okay. See the, the more <laughs> the more you know. Five nights at Freddy's that's
1: I don't even know if that's true or not. I'm going to get hunted is, with but... a pitchfork by
0: the FNAF fan base here. Yeah. Um okay, but yeah, getting into the movie a little bit. Or actually, before we get into the movie, let's talk about the fan base in particular
1: cuz I feel yeah, like that was something
0: I, you wanted to bring up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um I I think the fan base for this movie is the biggest reason why it made so much money. Um they're because personally and we'll get into this i the movie wasn't anything spectacular for me (laughs) or anything like that um and so i definitely think it's the fan base because hayden and i went to go see the marvels um and as we're standing in line waiting to get popcorn there's like a group of six people in front of us all dressed up in like freddy Fazbear kind of outfits like one girl was wearing like all brown with the little barriers and then another girl was wearing the striped red and white shirt that Foxy the kid that is possessed by Foxy or Foxy possesses or whatever um like she's got the same shirt and I was like oh my goodness these people are all going to see Five Nights at Freddy's and they got so excited um they were just like ecstatic the entire time they're in the line. So I really do think the fan base is what's driving this huge box office uh, rise to this movie. And also, I went and saw this movie by myself. I kid you not, saw this movie by myself, and I thought there was going to be maybe four people in the theater. The theater I went to, and this was like a couple weeks after it came out, was full. Like Like full-full? I wouldn't say full-full, but like there was... A lot of people there like Hayden, I would say when we went and saw the Marvels, which was a pretty full theater, similarly, um, very similar to Freddy Fazbear's. Huh? So I I think it's just a big thing. And I mean, I'm sure kids will go watch it multiple times. I'm sure there's lots of kids who are um, big fans of the franchise. I literally when I went to go see the movie, there was a mom with her two kids who looked like they were both like seven um so i'm sure that there are uh lots of kids who this is also kind of like an entry-level horror film for them absolutely uh, where the parents were like okay this is going to be not that scary and so my kid can go watch it which is very true i i don't think the movie scared me at all no me neither i think it's actually like we'll get
0: into it but i think it's completely ineffective as a horror movie to be honest with you Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's because they knew that so much of their fan base is
1: children Exactly. They they knew immediately that they were like, we can't make this that scary because this is going to be a movie for the 12 to 16-year-olds, you know?
0: I do wish it was,
1: like, scarier, though.
0: I know I'm, like, a grown man saying that, and so I'm not really the demographic here. But, like, like when I've played those games, especially, like, I, I have an Oculus uh, Quest, like the VR headset, and I played Five Nights at Freddy's in my oh. Oculus headset— I forgot about that. Oh, it's just fucking bone-chilling in VR. Like, it is, like, really... Like, I I struggled to get through those games in VR because the tension is so insane. And those jump scares in VR are just, like, visceral. Like, they are are really freaky. And so I guess, like, Five Nights at Freddy's as a horror game is actually a pretty effective horror game um, for what it is. And I just find it a little bit of a bummer that they, like, completely diluted it for the audience. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I do think the fan base is, is absolutely why this movie excels so much and it's good for the movies. So I'm not going to be like, Oh, those kids going to see five nights at Fridays. I think it's cool. And I think it's like, it, I like that people, especially like a young crowd are going to horror movies and like seeing stuff like this and engaging with stuff like this. Like it made a lot of money, which is surprising because it was streaming on Peacock like, day and date, like they dropped it in theaters and you could watch it at home on that day. Which mm-hmm. is what uh, we did actually on Halloween night. After we handed out candy to to all the kids, we, me, my brother, my dad, and um, and my roommate, we just watched Five Nights at Freddy's. And I don't know, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty, like a fun experience, despite the fact that I didn't really love the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. But it it does say a lot about the fact that like this movie dropped at home, and still everyone was going to see it in theaters like three weeks after, which didn't really happen with a lot of movies throughout COVID when they dropped at home and in theaters at the same time
1: yeah it it is surprising how much it made in the box office seeing as the fact that it literally came out on streaming the day it dropped in theaters Mm -hmm.
0: but yeah let's talk about the movie what what did you think just general impressions
1: right after you got to the theater of of five nights of freddy's um i thought yeah it's very much like a movie for kids like entry-level horror for kids um i i still enjoyed it like I think it is a well, uh, well done video game adaptation because a lot of the times those just like miss completely. Um, but I definitely think that they did their research. They, knowing that the fan base is so adamant about this movie uh, or about this franchise, they did their research. They, um, made sure to make the right like choices when it comes to certain characters. Um, I think. The one thing I was very impressed by was looking at some of the behind the scenes of uh, the animatronics and seeing the, how the much best of it part of the was movie. suits, how much of it was CGI, uh, which very little of it is actually CGI. A lot of it is people in suits. Um, but overall, I still enjoyed the movie, but it was very clearly not for my demographic. Right. Um, like objectively, it's an OK movie. Um, but for me, as like a twenty-three-year-old adult, it's not that exciting. Yeah, I, I had some complicated thoughts
0: on it. Really, I thought the movie was was quite poor, but I didn't, I didn't like hate it. I just I thought it was like right down the middle. My, like I, I think we'll rate it at the ending of the episode, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like it commits the real sin of like movie adaptations based on other things, which is like it doesn't give a fuck about new people joining. It is very much a movie made for people who like Five Nights at Freddy's. And I, I think that that's often a problem with, like, video game adaptations. Like, you're not making it just for the fans. You know, you're, you have to sell new people on this story. And I've heard a lot of, like, diehard Five Nights at Freddy's fans be like, it's not for you, it's for the fans. Which I think is, like, a very a silly argument because it, mm-hmm. it has to be for everyone. If you're making this story, you kind of do have to, like... And I don't mean age-wise. Like, it doesn't have to be for, like, 40-year-olds as well as for 7-year-olds. But what I mean is, like... It has to be for horror fans. You know, like, if you're going to make a horror movie based on a very beloved horror game, you have to at least make it a successful horror movie for new people to join in, because it can't just be, like, exclusively targeting people who like the games
1: and know the games, in my opinion. Yeah, so much of it is... um, There are so many little, like, secrets and Easter eggs that no one would ever know unless they know anything about the lore. Like, for example, Vanessa, uh, the cop character she is actually in the new security breach game right Uh, she shows up as the she's like the security person at the mall uh but they just kind of like take her character and rework it or whatever but everyone who's played those games and knows the lore knows who this character is but nobody else does you know so i i agree with you in one sense that i do think that it is um very much just fan service Uh, A lot of the things that happen in this are very much just fan service. Is that a bad thing? I don't think so, because I think um, that it's probably tough to get people who aren't interested in Freddy Fazbear to watch this movie. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't think that, like you said, a 40 year old like parent is not just going to come see this movie on a whim. Um, They're usually going to see it because of their kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. but that being said, I do also agree that a lot of it is so, like, tied to the lore and tied to the game that, yes, it can get confusing for anyone who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, I agree. I feel like – so the movie's written by the writer
0: and creator of the game, Scott Cawthorn. And on one hand, I'm glad that the person who created this was given a chance in Hollywood to to write his story and to, like, adapt his own story onto the big screen. But on the other hand, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I can't help but feel like he overstuffed into this movie. And I feel like, you know, they gave him creative control because it's it's his IP. And I think that that's cool. But I think there's a lot of bullshit in this movie where I'm like, I wonder if anyone else doing this story would have felt the need to, like, do this. Like, there's so much clutter and nonsense in this movie that feels like Scott Cawthorn was like, this is important because this is relevant to the story. And I'm like... But you're doing a movie. You're not doing the games, so the story needs to be different than the games. And it feels like he just was treating the story like it was a video game story instead of a movie
1: story. So he's cramming all this stuff in. I totally agree. I think the the point in the movie that is like so clearly uh, the studio being like, "Okay, you got to make this a little something horror," is when that group uh, shows up at Freddy Fazbear's to like destroy the place and they all get killed like mm-hmm. that's that felt very much like a different movie than the rest of the movie agreed um and, which i also understand you gotta show a little bit of that but um yeah it just felt like a different section because it was like the producers being like hey so we want to at least see some people die you know
0: the whole like aunt subplot like hiring people to go to freddy Fazbear's to- vandalize it while he's not working i'm like okay so how's that going to reflect on him at all he's not there
1: yeah and also such a weird character because she never like she shows up for three scenes and then never comes back again the aunt she is not like even a problem at the ending of the movie
0: i believe she dies i believe they the animatronic shows up and when when freddie shows up oh. to take the girl back to the pizzeria right i believe yes. he ki- I, but it just feels like a complete waste of like how much of that runtime is dedicated to that aunt stuff it's like at least 25 minutes
1: yeah and, and goes, she also useless that aunt is a horrible person uh and such like a shallow character they were just like mean aunt
0: yeah she's trying to get this girl in her life so she can make money off of off of her
1: which is crazy because I'm pretty sure at some point they say that the like the child services bill that he is getting, the amount of money he's getting every month, is not even that much. No. Like I think it's like a thousand dollars or something that they say it is. So I don't even understand why she is so desperate to have this uh kid just so she can make an extra thousand bucks a month or something. I know. Like
0: It all it all feels a little underbaked. And that that applies to most of the movie. I really just wish it kind of dialed in on like evil Chuck E. cheese which i think is like such an easy task you know to be like yeah. okay there's these killer animatronics and the guy has to look after them overnight because the owner hasn't sold the
1: place and they start they start killing and they start acting up it's so easy let's just let's be totally honest here five nights at freddy's is um the kids version of willie's wonderland if you want to see this movie done mm-hmm. for an adult uh watch that movie yeah, I actually uh, that, had a
0: whole section in my notes about this because I think I think you're spot on with that. Yeah, I feel like it's like for reference, Willy's Wonderland is campier. It's more gory. It's more horror centric. It is really just a better version of this movie in, in almost every way. Um, this movie takes itself really seriously, and it, Which I, it, it shouldn't. No, it almost makes it like. Really boring. Like, multiple times throughout watching this movie, I was like, I should not be this bored. This is an evil Chuck E. Cheese. This should be, like, way more fun. And yet, Willy's Wonderland did it way better, like, two and a half years ago. So, I think that's an absolute shame, you know? Like, just be a little bit more silly with it. Have a little bit more fun with it. It's it's a very stupid concept that I think when you have fun with is, is a pretty fun concept. But this movie is just like, Josh Hutcherson's brother was murdered... And he needs to go into his dreams to try and figure out what happened to his brother. I'm like, get this out of here. Get all this stuff out of here.
1: Yeah. Like, I understand. Um, I think, I think that's a great example of uh, all that kind of lore stuff that we were talking about. How they kind of sprinkle that all throughout the movie. Like, a huge plot point in the movie is that these kids who were killed whenever... Um, back in the past have possessed these animatronics now um and that is like straight out of the game that's straight out of the lore of the game um obviously so important but it's so central to so much of what's going on like to have the kids wanting her uh josh hutcherson's younger sister and like the whole side thing where He's in his dreams and he can see the kids and he's trying to talk to them. Like, uh, is as much as it does, I'm like, oh yeah, this is lore from the games. It also almost feels like filler. Like they were like, we have to have something that's a, a little more engaging and a little more creepy or whatever. And so they're like, let's dive into these possessed kids. But the more time I spend with them, the less scared I am of them you know know. like that little like blonde kid who's like the main one possessing them
0: all i was like this kid is so not intimidating in any way
1: he's just not scary you know and i i get like as i say these things i know it's a movie for kids like they're not supposed to be that scary but when you've got giant animatronics that can bite people in half you
0: know Make it a little spooky. But that's the thing, though. Like, is this for kids? I know, like, the movies direction wise, like, chose to kind of focus it on four kids. The story's not for kids. It's actually kind of weird that children gravitated on the Five Nights at Freddy's as much as they did, because it's a pretty fucked up narrative about like a child murderer who like doomed these children to like a, an eternity like in- inhabiting like animatronics. You know, like it's like a dark plot, even when you. Even when you boil it down and condense it to its simplest form and try and make it for children, it's still not for children, you know? No, it really isn't. So I found that that leads to like
1: this weird contrast of like what try, what film are you trying to make? Who's it for? I mean, that being said too, something I've realized, and this is, this is a slight rabbit trail, um, is that I, I'm not connected to the kids anymore. Um, I am 23 years old, which is not that old. We're but starting to feel I old. I'm very clearly not connected with the kids anymore. And I realized that I was watching a video um, about a guy who was at like a convention um, and there was a bunch of like little kids and they had set up like a Smash Brothers tournament where they had two controllers set up to a TV and just whoever wanted to come play could come play. And 50%, so they had a they had a controller and they had a keyboard. Um, and almost, all the kids had no idea how to use the keyboard. Um, and a, like a lot of them went straight for the controller. And so they're like, OK, we'll just get rid of the keyboard next time and put in two controllers, throw in two controllers. 50% of the kids, he said 50% of them pushed the controller aside and tried to touch the screen. Like oh, it was a touch screen. What? Like so many of them had never played as a controller and only ever played games on their tablet, you know, um, so i'm starting to realize that i am not connected with the kids anymore and very much through this movie um kids are actually quite interested in some fucked up shit i kid you not like um for example uh the freddy fazbear stuff already super dark and all that but uh like there are kids who will just like watch creepy pasta videos on youtube that i forgot ever existed from like when we were kids mm-hmm. or they know the lore of the fucking you remember the spoon finger guy or whatever yeah he salad fingers yeah 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 salad fingers i i heard a kid discussing the lore of that character like some of them are really interested in the like the weird cryptid creepy stuff um so i it it doesn't really surprise me that this is still for kids because i think a lot of kids are starting to get into just like this weird creepy uh they're so interested in these um almost child versions of scary stories you know Mm -hmm. um especially when you've got five nights at freddy's which is a game in itself super interactive that kids can play and like Um, you have these iconic animatronics that when we were kids, we probably would have been excited about to see, you know? Um, But now they're like, yes, I'm still interested in these cool animatronics, but I love how they've murdered people. So I don't know. It might just be a changing of times where I'm not as connected. Um, But I do think that like the creepy weird stuff, some of it is so interesting to kids and the access that they have to the internet just oh, allows yeah. them to be able to search the stuff anytime they want and look up anything they're interested in. Uh, and parents are like, I put child locks on whatever, blah, blah, blah. does no, nothing. It, it does nothing. does nothing. Yeah. It is the internet. It easily. Like I speak things into existence in real life and my phone hears it and is like, let me show you 17 ads. So oh, yeah. how do you think one little switch that turns on a parent blocker or whatever is going to do anything, you know? Yeah. I, I do think you're right, and I think it's interesting because, like, it, it it's not less,
0: like, a changing of the times because I was the same kid. Like, I was reading creepypastas, and I was playing the Slenderman games, and I was doing all this stuff that I found scary as, kid, as a kid. But it's this, like, generation of kids in particular who have, like, really taken to, like, Five Nights at Freddy's and, like, this, like, child-murdering lore in, like, a really interesting way. And I, kids like to be scared. I think that's something that goes back as far as, like, you know, like, as far as time. Like, I think that to a certain degree, there's this unknown feeling about being scared by something and, like, having to be comforted about it in a weird way. Like, children have always liked to be scared. I have brought this up on this podcast numerous times when we talk about the idea of gateway horror, and Steven Spielberg has, has often talked, he's mentioned, like, in a quote, he said that we need to be scaring our kids, like, a little bit, you know, like, not traumatizing them but children like to be challenged and, and scared i think in in ways that feel you know relatively tame and relatively safe but still freak them out mm-hmm. but i do think you're spot on with this like i feel so old now idea because like i, I was on, <laughs> i'm not gonna rabbit trail on this too hard but i was on tiktok and i got this thing pop up on my tiktok and it was like skibbity toilet have you have you heard Skibbity toilet yeah this is the I first time the I, I felt so old, man. I was like, "Wait, this is like a thing. Like kids love it. Kids know the lore of Skibbity Toilet," and I was like, "I have, I feel so out of my element here." And usually, I feel like I can connect to these things in different ways, but I had, I had no bearing on it. I brought it up to my younger brother, and I was like, "You know about Skibbity Toilet?" And he was like, "Oh hell
1: yeah!" And he was like, "It was just really weird." For anyone who's unaware, Skibbity Toilet is literally a toilet with a dude's head in it.
0: It just that starts it. singing. It's just like this dude it's like a yeah. Gmod type video, like and I think it's literally Gmod. Um It is, yeah. Yeah. And it's just this dude's head that pops out of a toilet and starts singing and kids love so it. Weird. They've built this whole lore around it. It's bizarre. But nevertheless, we've rabbit trailed a little bit, but all this to say, like Yeah, I guess kids do like Five Nights at Freddy's because it's it's this scary thing and it's like this this thing that makes them uncomfortable, but in a way it's like so iconic and like safe feeling, you know, like Freddie Fazbear's yeah. and these characters feel kind of like safe in a way where it's like, they're still going to kill you. But I think what makes five nights at Freddy's less scary to children in particular is that it's kids in the animatronics in a, in a sense, yeah. like they want like friends. That's like a thing that this movie kind of touches on. It, it's very
1: weird. I think I've rabbit trailed a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> um, to bring it kind of back to the movie, uh, Let's talk about some characters. Um, Josh Hutcherson, our main character. Yeah, it was nice um, to see him on the big screen again. I
0: have not seen this dude in a movie since, like, The Hunger Games.
1: Yeah. It's been a while. I think it's the last time I've seen him, too. Um, Awesome. I think he did, a honestly, a pretty good job um, with the character that he was given. I think his character is a little, um, little dry, you know? There's, like, some stuff there, but... It, nothing really gets, um, it's just a lot of like trauma, you know, it's a, it's a trauma character, uh, a character that is their main thing is built off of trauma, um, which is always somehow connected to the big main plot of the movie. Uh, but I think with what he was given, he did a pretty good job. Um, and he, he is like a prevalent character throughout all of this movie. He is the security guard. Um, who is there at uh, the evenings? I think an interesting thing uh, that I really liked is how they explained um, his brother who gets kidnapped. Because um, we don't, you don't really find about, out about it until like halfway through the movie, I think, or like a little ways into it. Um, but the first clue or inkling clue we're given is when he beats the shit out of that dad in oh, the yeah. mall. Yeah. Um, which is a wild scene because uh, i was like whoa he's definitely got some problems um but i think i really like that idea of showing us like an altercation and not explaining it and then later being like oh the reason why he did that is because he thought that kid was getting taken just like his brother mm-hmm. um so i think they did a pretty good job at uh giving this character like uh, or, like, explain the trauma of it and that kind of thing. I just I think that there's probably more that they could have done with him. But I think they had so much going on that there was no room to, like, flesh out this character. Because the ending, too, is where I really have issues with his character and yeah. how they kind of wrap everything oh, up. Yeah. It's very much just like, he's
0: fine. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. I, I,
0: I think Josh Hutcherson does what he can with this very weirdly yeah. written character. I found, like, the stuff with his brother to be completely uninteresting for me, but, like, not really in the in the idea of, like, he's searching for his brother and trying to figure out what happened. It's because I know immediately what happened.
1: Like, you, yeah. you
0: know, because this movie is about a bunch of kids who were murdered and went missing at this pizzeria, you know if the movie's going to focus this hard on this kid who went missing and he never found him. I'm like, oh, it, it was it's Matthew Lillard who did it. And by yeah. the way, you know immediately that Matthew Lillard's the bad guy because he's the only other character we meet in the movie.
1: Yeah, and it's – I'm not going to lie. So much of this movie was extremely predictable for me. Um, I think right out of the gate when you have – when you see that moment where Josh Hutcherson goes into the employment office uh, with Matthew Lillard, when he offers him the job, it's so obvious. Oh, like, that's, it's- that's William Afton. You know, so obvious that he's got some sinister intent to this. Um, But yeah, I think I I totally agree with you that it's, it's pretty clear that this is the, this is the villain of our movie. Yeah.
0: And I I just immediately knew him. Like he's searching for his brother who has gone missing. There is a man who was killing people at this pizzeria. His brother was taken by this man and killed at the pizzeria. I know we're going to get there. So let's, let's speed it up a little bit because I thought the choice to have each night at Freddy's, not actually be at Freddy's and mostly take place in his dreams because he goes to work and then sleeps the entire night, which, by the way, completely ruins the entire um, tension of, like, what the game is, like the whole, like, sitting there as the animatronics try and kill you every night. Um, That's completely absent from this movie because he just goes to work and and then sleeps trying to, like, find out what happened to his brother every night. And so it, it kind of completely leads to this, like, lifeless, boring feeling because nothing happens while he's at Freddy's. Like, Five Nights at Freddy's, the title itself, should imply that some scary shit's gonna happen in these Five Nights at Freddy's, and nothing does. I
1: think on the last night is the only night where anything of any value actually happens. You know what I think? In my Here's my theory on that, is that in the game, like, the first night or two isn't really, nothing really happens. It's pretty easy to survive the first night or two um but like the final nights is where it starts to get tricky uh i think it was almost like a cop out they decided to just be like for the first couple nights let's just have these like dream sequences let's have him get scratched once and be confused by what that is and it's just a lot of time for them to set up everything like one of the nights isn't even scary because vanessa's there the entire time and they're just just hanging just hanging out they're just hanging out and it's nothing Imagine being a police
0: officer and just going to hang out at
1: a pizzeria all night and just lore dumping. A pizzeria all night that you know is filled with possessed kids. Like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Um uh so like I feel like it was almost a cop out for them where they're like, Well, we don't know how to make these first couple nights interesting, so we'll just like do some lore stuff and have some stuff go on with some other characters. And I think too, like I get it. Um I I I understand why they can't have these like freaky jump scares and stuff because um they they want to focus a bit more on the story which is totally fine but like 5 nights at freddy's is all about jump scares and i don't think there was a single one uh, i mean there is but movie. none of them actually like are effective you know like there's
0: there's constantly these
1: loud stingers and
0: like loud music scores where it's like be scared but uh, it's nothing, not. nothing's happening you know
1: <laughs> so like I, I i completely agree yeah yeah i think i think the biggest thing they missed on is as much as as much as the movie is like about the game and about the lore of it i think what they missed is that terrified feeling of you are the only one in this building where amatronics are coming to get you like he's constantly with someone or even when he isn't he's asleep you know yeah uh and so i think they could have improved on that to make it a little more scary but you know
0: If the main character is going to sleep through all the events of the movie, why should I not? You know, like
1: facts, I
0: start to get really bored when the main character is super bored and doesn't have any idea what's going on either. Like you have to like have him scared so that I have something to connect to when he's just sleeping every night. I'm like, okay, I can do the same thing. This is boring. Nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So, yeah, I don't know. I found that to be annoying. What did you? uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, how did you find the younger sister character as well? I thought she was okay. Um I remember when I first saw the trailer I was like this is going to ruin the movie.
0: Like I was I was really convinced that having a kid in the presence of him throughout the nights there would like mm-hmm. completely destroy any any sense of tension and I wasn't fully wrong, but she doesn't show up in, in with him until like the third night, which I think made her character a little bit more I don't know digestible. Mm-hmm. But that whole scene where like the robots are bonding with like the kid and they're like building like a slum, like it's like a slumber party. And then like Bonnie falls backwards and they're like, are you okay, Bonnie? And she sticks her thumb up. I'm like, Oh my God, this is really stupid.
1: Yeah. That was very much a kid's moment for me. Yeah. It really felt like that was
0: them at, at the most kid friendly. The movie was, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't hate her. I thought she was kind of a a completely weak character and didn't really add anything to the movie, but
1: didn't destroy it
0: the way that I feared she might. Hmm um was there any sequences in this movie that had you like you know particularly invested because i really did love the scene where all like the robbers show up there and get like murked by all the animatronics but
1: again it feels like it's part of a completely different movie so um to be totally honest i think the only scene that really had me invested was like the very end when they're in like the final fight um like when she when the younger sister draws that picture to put on the wall, like that was kind of the only moment where I was really invested. And I I really did want the characters to win because, I mean, I think the thing that bothers me the most about that scene is the fact that Josh Hutcherson does nothing. Um, and he's useless. Yeah. Uh, throughout that entire scene, even though he's supposed to be our main character. Uh, but. Yeah, I think that was kind of the only moment that I was invested because I'm i not going to lie. I think that the um, Vanessa and her dad uh, little arc is kind of interesting um, seeing as how she knew everything that was going to happen and she didn't bother to tell him, which is awful. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought that was like kind of interesting and I – Thought it was cool to watch the animatronics turn evil and then go after William Afton and that kind of thing. So I I did – I was invested there, but I think that was kind of the only moment. I would agree. Um, I thought Matthew Lillard was great in that final scene. Just – he felt like he was
0: aware of what movie he was in and a movie that didn't know what it was.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: He he really, like, shows up and – He's fucking Matthew Lillard, you know. He's so good at just being over the top and ridiculous, and that's exactly what he does. He shows up in the in the Springtrap suit, which is essentially just this—I don't know—run down, looking golden bunny. Yeah, golden bunny. Which I'm sure, like, people who love the lore right now are listening to be like, "What the fuck? He's degrading Springtrap." I don't know much about it. I just know that this is the suit that that William Afton wears, and then he dies in, and then his ghost comes back in this suit or something like
1: that. I Um, couldn't tell you. from what I understand or what I remember, yeah, is that he he wore that suit to lure kids to kill them. Mm. Um, lure kids away from parties to kill them in that suit. Uh, and then, yeah, the lore is that he does like the spring trap things lock into him and he gets locked into that suit mm. um, and he dies in it, but then he possesses it pretty much.
0: And he says the iconic quote from the games that I didn't know was iconic until after I watched the movie.
1: I always come back. Apparently, that's like a big thing for for fans of this stuff. But, you were uh, literally – that is like a quote from every single horror movie I think I've ever seen. I know. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that's iconic to Five Nights at Freddy's, but hey, I guess.
0: No, the way they talk about it, they're like, he said the thing. He said it. He said the quote. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but I, yeah, I thought Matthew Lillard was actually pretty good in this scene. And really just I wish he was in the movie more. And I, maybe we'll get more of him in the next one. Um, I remember reading somewhere that Matthew Lillard signed a three-movie deal with Blumhouse for this so he, if they make three Five-Nin' Freddies he'll be around for at least three of them. I, I hope we get more of him because I thought, I thought he was really fun and well aware of what movie he was acting in, in a movie that didn't even know what it wanted to be.
1: You know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of—it uh, it was kind of like his uh, character that he plays in Scream, where they're like— Yeah, uh, that's true. —pretending that they don't know, but he, he's actually the one behind it the entire time.
0: He actually—there is a fun nod to Scream as someone who loves those movies so much where, um, you know, like— the classic ghost face knife wipe, where they hold the knife up and they just wipe the blood off of it after killing someone. He he mm-hmm. does that in this movie. And I was like, yeah, it's fun. You got Matthew Lillard to do the knife wipe one more time. Nice. Um, yeah, I, here's one thing I wanted to bring up, too. Freddie, Bonnie, Chica, and Foxy. Extremely iconic. You know, like, you see them and you, you kind of immediately know what you're looking at. Why did they make the animatronic cupcake the lead source of villainy in this movie. I feel like the animatronic cupcake gets like most of the kills and like, is like a real like threat where the other ones kind of just like piss off and
1: do nothing. And I was like, you know, why are they doing this? I think I figured it out. I was thinking about it during the movie. The, I had the exact same question. I was like, why is this thing, the thing that's constantly fighting people? Because it's so easy to have an animatronic cupcake that just kind of like scrums around that somebody can just kind of like hold on their face like it's attacking them versus mm-hmm. a giant somebody in an animatronic suit, you know. Yeah. So to be totally honest, I think it was like a budget thing where they're like this is the easiest thing we can do. It feels Which like you're right. A cop out.
0: It's such a cop out. It's a really lame decision to have this
1: cupcake that I is is the cupcake in the games? It is. Okay. Um but I don't I think it's a later game that it becomes sentient. Like I don't think it's sentient in the first game. It's like the thing um, that Chica has on the plate all the time yeah okay uh uh, but i i definitely think it's a bit of a cop-out i saw that specifically there's one scene close to the end where after josh hutcherson kind of like beats the shit out of it and uh electrocutes it um it stands back up like it's laying on its side and like the lights are flickering and the lights go out for a second and then they come back on and it's standing back up they were like we don't want to spend the money to animate that thing standing up we'll just do it so it's like it's on its side the lights go out We Pick it back up and set it down. The lights come back on. and It's standing again. I was like, oh, yeah. Very yeah. clearly, you guys just being like, we don't have the money to do that. Let's save just... it. Save us some money. Yeah. And what I will say too is, I do appreciate um, the use of practical effects. There's very little CGI in this movie.
0: I, I agree. Um, I think the animatronics—they're all done by um, by the Jim Hunt, Jim Henson um, studio. Obviously, he's no longer around, but it's you know c- continuing his legacy. I thought the animatronics looked great. Like, really good, yeah. given the budget, too.
1: But I, I will say, like, if you're going to go for the full... Like, if you're going to go for the full practical animatronic, have it kill someone, you know? Yeah. Um, Agreed. Like, there's one moment where one of them kills... Like, uh, like for example, um, when that girl gets bit in half, the bite of 87 or whatever. Because <laughs> um, people are like, is that the bite of, from 87? But who knows. Um like yeah, that's even off screen. You just kind of watch her half body flop over, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna spend that much money on practical animatronics. I mean, pff, have it kill someone.
0: Yeah, and I I do think this again. Like uh, we'll we'll start to wrap up here, but I do think it's like an inherent flaw of the movie is the fact that like the lore doesn't really explain itself in context of the movie. Like there's all these things that game gamers know and like fans of the games know, And I watched the whole movie. I still don't know what I'm fucking talking about when I try and talk about the lore of this game Mm -hmm. or of the movie. And I feel like I should have like at least a little bit more of an idea of like of all this stuff. And I, I, I sound useless, you know, like people who love this stuff are probably listening to me right now. Like he has no idea. And I'm like, no, you're right. Get the movie to explain it better. Like I I don't have any idea.
1: Yeah. When we talk about five nights at Freddy's two. Uh, we'll get a we'll get a Fnaf fan on here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who knows what they're talking about? But. I'll I'll say this: my younger
0: brother, uh, he's not like a diehard FNA- uh, Fnaf fan, but he does like like this stuff. Uh, my youngest brother and, and he fell asleep at the ending of the movie, and no way, and he like woke up and he's like, is it like worth going back and like finishing? Because I'm gonna be honest, that movie was not good, and he's like, I'm glad I got to like sit around with my family and like watch a Five Nights at Freddy's movie, but I just wish it was better, and I think yeah. that. You know like the young kids who watch this stuff seem to be like really liking it and i'm I'm pretty happy for them i think that that's cool but even a fan of this stuff that i have in my life
1: like finished the movie and was like eh not good as a as a human being i had a fun time but as a movie reviewer mm. yeah
0: i don't regret watching it like it's 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 really a middling movie where it's not like i am shitting on it a lot because i just wish it was a little bit more but like there is stuff to, that I admire here. You know, I think Josh Hutcherson and Matthew Lillard both pretty pretty good in it. Um, the animatronics look great. There's these kind of like, we get these hints of like a movie that knows what it is a little bit more. And like the horror sequences I do think are like despite being like gateway horror, like pretty effective. That one scene um, where we just get to see the animatronics wreak havoc a little bit. I wish it was longer and I wish we got more of it, but it is good. And so like, I don't know. I hope with the next one, they like hear some of the criticisms and just like, you can make this movie for the fans and for uh, for other people at the same time. It doesn't have to be one.
1: What I I think the way I would sum it up is for a Five Nights at Freddy's horror movie, they do a really good job at the Five Nights at Freddy's part. They do a bad job at the horror part um, because mm-hmm. I mean it's meant for kids, so obviously they're trying to do gateway horror. But even then, like it's not that scary, and I think any kid could watch this movie and not get scared.
0: Yeah, like over the age of like six, I think you'd
1: be you'd be fine. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: it's, what would, what would you rate it out of, um, I don't (laughs) out of five, five Freddy Fazbear
1: pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. Out of five, uh, Freddy Fazbear pizzas, I would give this movie a two and a half right down the center. Same. Um, I, I think that, um, this movie does have some enjoyable moments in it and I, I can very clearly see the vision and I think that they, um, did a very good job at, showing off that fnaf lore um but as a movie it's just it's it's missing the bar you know like um it's like they really tried but it it's it almost feels like an indie movie in a sense which is kind of fitting for an indie game such as five nights at freddy's but definitely feels like a movie where they were reluctant to really kind of like experiment and test the waters this was i felt like this was a safe move for them to just be like let's see how everyone um likes this when in reality they could have gone way further with it and probably made a movie that would have made even more money
0: Mm -hmm. it's blumhouse you know like my expectations when i go to see a blumhouse movie are like like so low now like they've been on like a real losing Mm -hmm. streak between exorcist believer and this for me um and it goes even further back. Like, the last few years of Blumhouse have been really not good. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Jason Blum is just aware that he can just sink $15 million into a movie and, and usually make 200 back. So, I don't know. I remember there was a period in time where Blumhouse put their name on good movies. Remember when Blumhouse made Whiplash and Get Out? That's <sighs> fucking... That's crazy. Um, feels like a different world now. But, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like they've just kind of lost their vision here they're just content to just be like yeah, good enough Money. is good and good enough should never just be good you know like I yeah. feel like we should always put a little bit more effort into it so yeah I'm going to give it a two and a half um, I, I hope the sequel's better I feel like the sequel's probably going to adapt the second game or the third game maybe condense a little bit because they're not going to just do game like there's not a lot here for each
1: game you know so maybe yeah I don't really know lore. where they'll go because they've they've already co- kind of combined a bit of security breach by bringing in Vanessa. Um, and they've already kind of like uh, covered some of the other small things like the cupcake from other games and stuff. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, any other thoughts on or, 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 or. <laughs> Not at all., um, but if you want to check out our other podcast episodes, you can find us on Spotify. Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us at Instagram and at TikTok uh, at the Dive In Movie Cast. And our individual Instagrams, I'm at Wesley Giffen. I'm at Hayden Kudras, and it is the same name on our Letterboxed. So thank you everyone for listening. And all I can end this with is <gasps> Five Nights at That's where I want to be. Five I, Nights at Ferretti's. I can't
0: believe that's the actual end credits music of the movie. <laughs> that's the last thing I'll say. I can't believe they actually ended it with that
1: shit. Awful. <laughs>